Hello, and welcome to the Honest Politics Podcast. My name is Alex Gamsik, and I am the founder of Honest Politics, LLC. Today, we're going to be looking at a personal project of mine, Alex Gamsik's, to see who will win the election in 2020. Now, this was inspired because I took a class with Professor Alan Lichtman, who is a distinguished professor of history at American University. And that class was taken in the fall of 2016, right as the Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump election occurred. And he taught us a lot about recent American history, but he also taught us about his election system, how to predict elections using this method. I'll go over the method first, and then I'm going to describe how I came to my prediction in early January that Donald Trump will win win re-election. So first, let's look at the model itself. It's based off of geology, if uh, crazy enough, where a titanic shift happens and it kind of, you know, one thing affects a bunch of other things and everything kind of happens in a wave. Elections happen in waves. It's not like Michigan decided to vote for Trump. It brought along Wisconsin and Pennsylvania with it. It was a wave election. Uh, And that's how elections kind of happen, kind of like how if you think of an earthquake, it triggers aftershocks and uh, it's not isolated events. One tectonic plate moving affects another. So if we look at the keys that were developed by Lichtman, these keys are binomial variables. And if it's a certain number of yeses, then the incumbent party wins the White House or yes, Or number of no's, the challenging party wins the White House. So it's based on parties. It's based on who's in the White House now. So obviously we have a Republican incumbent. So the Republican incumbent needs to win eight keys in order to win. So Trump needs eight of these keys. Let's go over each one. And there are 13 keys in total. My system modifies Lichtman's because I added percentage chances that each key would flip one way or the other. Um, And I updated this every six months for the last three years. The first one is party mandate, which means that after the midterms, the incumbent party holds more seats in the U.S. House of Representatives than the previous midterms. And almost every time presidents lose this key, um, and I gave it a 30% chance for Trump to actually maintain or increase his Republican lead in the House back in 2017. Of course, now that's 100% for the Democrats. Trump lost this key because the Republicans did not gain seats in the House. The Democrats actually retook the House. Next is for contest key, meaning there's no serious contest for the incumbent party nomination. So you're seeing like... uh, what's his name, Walsh and Bill Weld and these kind of not-so-serious Republican challenges to Trump's presidency, I gave it a 90% chance that Trump would not be contested for his uh, re-election back in 2017, and now I have it at 99% because those challenges have proven to be as feeble as I thought they would have been. So Trump gets this key. So Democrats have one key, Trump has one key. Then we're going to look at incumbency, that the current president is running. So even if Trump was ousted and Mike Pence was the president, if he ran for re-election, that this key would also be activated for the Republicans. So obviously I gave this a 97% chance of happening, 
Of course, uh, it's really unlikely that the incumbent president will not be running in 2020. Even if Trump fails somehow, Pence will probably almost definitely run. So this went from 97 to 99%. Looking at the third party key, which is really interesting, it actually hasn't moved. I started it from January 2017 at 85% uh, chance there would be no significant third party. Third party key is now 86%. So Trump's only gotten this key by 1%. And I want to go into the exact reason why, because... This is one of the keys that is actually kind of interesting because Tulsi Gabbard might run, probably will run as a third party since she's been attacking the Democrats. She's attacking the Democratic establishment, but she is clearly a Democrat. Um, I've heard conservative radio talking about how, yeah, she's doing something, but she's definitely a lefty. She's definitely left wing on most of her policy stances, but she also didn't vote for impeaching Trump. <laughs> so... She's a pretty wild card, and like Hillary Clinton even said, she'd probably run third party. So we'll see if she actually does that. And now that she's been called out on it, she might not do it. Uh, we'll we'll think of it. But it's also possible that the Democrats, who are so far left wing, are so opposed to the Buttigieg Biden moderate wing of the Democratic Party that they would either nominate their own far left candidate or Bernie Sanders would run third party, or they would, actually more likely than that, just kind of hush to themselves and say, we're going to vote green, we're going to vote green, we're going to vote third party. And like, if you go through their forums and their Twitter and Reddit, they are pretty um, clear in their message that they will not vote for the Democrat if a Democrat turns out to be moderate. I think there is a significant chance that they either tacitly or explicitly endorse a third party, the far left wing of the Democratic Party, if Buttigieg or Biden become the nominee. And I say significant in a statistical sense, not in a realistic sense. I gave it like less than a 2% chance of happening, but that's still a chance of it actually happening. There's also a chance that um, some rando comes up, like, I don't know, Oprah, it sounds stupid now, but Oprah Winfrey, or if someone decides to step into the race and just throws a wrench in it, that's very unlikely, but next we're going to look at the short-term economy. We'll also look at the long-term economy at the same time. There's two keys for the economy because that's probably the most important factor for the election. I started out with Short-term economy being 45% in Trump's favor and long-term economy being 35% in Trump's favor. So I was kind of leaning on the side of a recession happening before the election. But now I'm up to 85 and 95% chance that the economy stays strong and Trump uh, has that in his favor for the election. So I did that because the closer we get, the more inherent it is that it's less likely there will be an economic downturn. Even if there was an economic downturn, say it happens in September or October, it's unlikely that it'll apply to the long-term key because it would have to wipe out all of the gains during this presidential term in a month or two. And even if the economy did turn south, it would have to do so very fast. In order for Democrats to get this key, of course, they shouldn't be praying for the economy to go down. But if they want to win the election based on these keys, they only have a few months left for the economy to turn south, and that's looking less and less and less likely. 
Um, next is the policy change key, and Trump won this key when the tax cut bill was passed, so that's 100%. I initially gave it a 99% chance of happening because, quote, the Republicans control all three branches of government and most local governments. If they can't pass significant legislation, they may as well quit their jobs. It, it faltered for a bit when they lost the health care debate debacle because they didn't completely repeal Obamacare, but once they passed the tax bill, they got their policy key. Now, the scandal key is much more complicated, um, but I gave it 100% to the Democrats because just being impeached is such a crazy uh, mark on a president. You can't get much worse besides being completely removed from office than an impeachment. So, you know, after the Mueller hearing, Trump called the president of Ukraine and asked for Joe Don Durbo, Joe Biden, Joe Biden in exchange for presidential meeting and military aid. Um, and whether you think that's true or not, a lot of the clear evidence, if you've been paying attention and you trust the people in government, who actually do this stuff for a living. It's pretty clear that that's what happened, but the impeachment happened on a very non-bipartisan basis, so the Democrats stuck in their corner mostly, the Republicans stuck in their corner 100%. You know, I don't think this is going to cause social unrest, which is another key. I gave that 97% to Trump that he would not have social unrest during his term. Let's move on to foreign policy failure. I started out with 85% chance that there'd be no major foreign policy failure. Now it's 95%, mostly because of the inherent passage of time. Uh, but then with the Iran thing, I lowered it down to 90% for Trump. Now that tensions have cooled a little bit again, it, it's hard to predict international relations and military stuff. There's nothing so crazy that's happened yet that Trump lost this key, and there's very little time for a major foreign policy failure to happen. I also want to clarify that this isn't based on your opinions. <laughs> it's based on what most of the American people will perceive. So most of the American people will perceive being impeached as a bad thing, right? But most of the American people would be split on some a failure such as pulling out of the Iran deal. Democrats will see that as a huge failure. Republicans see it as a huge win. So the fact that it's conflicting, it doesn't really flip a key. Whereas impeachment, no Republican is going to say, I'm glad Trump got impeached. But Democrats will also say, I'm glad Trump got impeached. So they're kind of agreeing in the sense that impeachment is bad. That's why it flips the scandal key. Next, we'll go into incumbent charisma, which, what did I give that in 2017? I gave it a 1% chance. A 1% chance that Trump would somehow transform himself and become a, you know, hero to the American people or so charmingly win over people that he'd be charismatic. You know, if he stood up on his inauguration speech and said, I'm actually not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat either, I'm going to run for the American people, and started blending his policy positions with the two parties and actually did, you know, something like that. That might have triggered it, but instead we got very 
hardcore Trump that we've seen during the campaign. He hasn't really changed much during his presidency. And therefore, a huge port, a majority of the American people don't like him. Therefore, he's not charismatic. Um, and then challenger charisma, which is, if you're thinking about this entire primary process, it's interesting because the only key that Democrats can influence really is the challenger charisma key, the last one, wherein the challenger to the uh, incumbent party is charismatic or national hero. Like Dwight D. Eisenhower fit this bill because he was the supreme commander in World War II. Ulysses S. Grant because he was the leader of the Union Army during the Civil War. Also figures like FDR, who was really charismatic and everyone kind of saw him as a great person. That's why he was elected to four terms. I think Barack Obama got this because he was such like an inspirational figure. Ronald Reagan got this because he was very well-spoken and inspirational. So the Democrats need someone like that in order to flip this key. And I wrote a big paragraph on it. Um, I'll put a link to this article in the description. And to be clear, it's a personal article. It's not an Honest Politics LLC article. But um, I thought Pete Buttigieg would be the only person to get this key. Um, let's see what I said in the beginning of 2017, because I didn't even know who Pete was. Okay, 33%. So I gave the benefit of the doubt to the Democrats that they would nominate someone charismatic. After the March town hall with Pete Buttigieg on CNN, I thought Pete was clearly the only Democrat running who had the charisma and the potential to gain the entire um, country together. Uh, he spoke the language of conservatism and moderism that we speak out in the middle of America, that we speak in suburban America. But he also had the progressive policies of the far left. He also had the progressive policies and the language, honestly, and the attention to feelings of the social justice class and stuff like that. He combined everything, I thought, magnificently into the perfect Democratic candidate to take on President Trump, especially because of his military experience, his Harvard and Rhodes scholarships, um, turning around a dying city in South Bend, Indiana. I know I'm gushing a little bit, but he fits the bill for this 13th key so well that at that point I didn't think anyone else could. And now things have changed a little bit because the online left, well, I call them the online left, but the far left wing of the party perceive him either as a threat or as some moderate who hates everybody or they are so blinded by their own views that they can't distinguish him from a republican and now in a twist of fate that only the online left will understand it's time for a commercial break i'm gonna go through each candidate Joe Biden, I'm sorry, he may be the front runner, but if you watched him on the debate stage, he is not charismatic. He stumbles over his words. He's not rousing people to their feet. That's the end of that. Bernie Sanders is interesting because I initially thought he could not be because so many people don't like him. They vehemently think, you know, especially because he kind of was against Hillary Clinton for so long and he's seen as a spoiler in the 2016 election. But he does have a chance to 
And he's proven to get grassroots support unlike anything we've heard of. The 34.5 million raised mostly from grassroots support is pretty interesting in the fourth quarter of last year. So there is a chance that Bernie has the working class rise up. And when I say that, I mean like people who make not a lot of money, all of them uniting behind Bernie instead of Trump because they see this as a chance to finally take back wealth from the 1% and the 2%. They see Bernie as not as much a socialist Democrat as much as a, well, I guess that is socialism, as, re, you know, wealth inequality, or at least lowering it drastically. So Bernie is counting on the majority of non-wealthy people in the country to rise up and vote out Trump with Bernie as the flag bearer. That is the charisma argument of the far left. That's the argument that Bernie will fit this key. And then you have Warren, who she, when I saw her first town hall with CNN, she's got them rising to their feet and they're so happy for her. And she's very charismatic within the party. But just like Trump, being uh, popular within the party does not make you popular within the country. And if you look at the polls, you'll see that a lot of vehement opposition towards Warren. And unfortunately, I think a lot of it's sexism, but I think even more of it is Warren is the same age, skin color, hair color, and height as Hillary Clinton. I think they have the same eye color, too. You know, and they they just honestly look kind of similar, you know, a lot of people are so busy with their lives, they're not going to look too far into the diff- the subtle differences between Warren and Hillary. And I know the online left is thinking, oh my god, they're so different. No, well, look at their actual policy on a spectrum, and you'll see that Warren and Hillary are much closer to each other than they are to Trump <laughs> and all of his 62 million supporters. So yeah, they are actually kind of similar in a lot of ways that is only really clear if you zoom out to the big picture of the American political spectrum. If you look at it, Warren's not getting the poll numbers. She's not as charismatic as people think within the Democratic Party, so she would not get this key. If you look at Buttigieg, like I said, I think he could unite the entire country, the moderates and the liberals, together, basically, and a lot of future former Republicans, people who would leave the Republican Party to join the Democratic Party under Pete's uh, kind of banner. I gave a 5% chance that Bernie would both win the primary and cause this working class uprising. I also gave a 5% chance that Pete would win the primary and the leftist slash moderate, so the leftist Democrats and moderate Republicans would unite behind him. And the chance that some charismatic figure will rise out of the blue is not going to happen. So between the four of them, I think Bernie and Buttigieg are the only two with a chance to be charismatic. But again, it's a chance. Bernie is betting on the chance that the working class abandons Trump and goes to his side, which the Buttigieg argument that something new, something inspirational that unites everyone can actually do that. But look at this. My model says that even if Democrats have a charismatic leader, even if the economy goes south, even if there's a major third party candidate, none of those on its own will make Trump lose. There has to be a 
combination of these factors happening. There has to be a more military failure and the economy going down, possibly, and a third party. It's it's going to take a lot to defeat Trump, so much so that I'm willing to predict, based on these 13 keys, that Trump is going to win re-election. And, of course, that's, again, my personal project, not the business talking. But I'm talking about it on the business as kind of an interview with myself. I want to talk about the last paragraphs real quick. Remember that no science is certain. Everything operates on percentages and chance. Political science is riddled with uncertainty. This model has been broken before. That's why I will do everything I can to help my preferred candidate win. Empirical metrics be damned. That means I will vote, I will volunteer, I will donate, I will have conversations with family and friends, I will post on social media, I will drive with a bumper sticker, I will add a lawn sign, and I will lobby local representatives for endorsements. You don't have to put your entire life on hold doing all of these things to make a difference. Even taking 10 minutes from your day to go and vote on election day, or early voting, or taking 10 hours to go and volunteer spread out over a couple months, or talking to 10 people about your favorite candidate, that's all enough to make a difference. So whether you agree with this model or not, whether you like this prediction or not, the results depend on folks who care, like you, going out and doing the work to get your candidate elected. So I'll see you on the campaign trail. And I hope you kind of enjoyed this talk. If you did, go to honestpoliticsllc.com, scroll to the bottom and send me a message, and I can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time as we seek to discover more of the stories behind the statistics. Thank you.